know that I know that I could just sit down right now and we would have a time. But I feel the unction of the Lord to bring you the word. The word should never hinder a service. But it will take it to where it needs to go. If you're praying, continue to pray right where you're at. You're not bothering me. And if you feel like you want to come up to this altar and you just want to nestle in right now and make it your prayer spot and you want to pray and help me, go right ahead. But I want to deliver the word that God gave me. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to Luke chapter 20, I'd like to read verses 1 through 8. If you're not praying, if you would stand, if you're praying, just stay where you're at. The book of Luke, chapter 20, verse 1. It says, One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up, and they said to him, Tell us by what authority you do these things. Or who is it that gave you this authority? And he answered them, I also will ask you a question, now tell me. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death. For they are convinced that John was a prophet. And so they answered that they did not know where it came from. And the Lord said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. I feel the Lord wanting to minister to somebody to slap a title on this thing, I want to preach authority after answers. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you have already touched and blessed and answered prayers. But God, I feel the Holy Ghost tugging and pulling very strongly, Lord. That the work is not complete, the work is not finished. And you are in the business of saving souls. You are in the business of helping your children out. God, I pray that all obstacles would be removed. That, Lord, there would be clarity. Let the anointing flow. Oh, God, minister, Lord. And God, I thank you for what you've done so far. And I worship you for what you're about to do. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Let your heart reach. Hey. <laughs> yes. Oh Lord. Somebody say amen. Be seated if you want. A little while ago, some of you know, Sister Kendra Conley got with me. And she began to tell me that she has thyroid cancer. 
And I instantly began to pray for her and her family and for everyone that this touches and affects. And I felt the Lord bring peace to me that He was going to touch her and help her and that when it's all said and done, His hand will keep her safe. Thursday, she goes in for surgery. Wouldn't it be a thing if when they get in there they say it's gone? Wouldn't it be a God thing? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be a divine healing touch right now, this very moment, upon Sister Kendra. That the cancer on the thyroid would be removed, would vanish, be taken from her body by your hand, God. That when the doctors get there, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be healed. God, I put this in your hand. You're the one that created her, and you're the one that will heal her. In the name of Jesus, let it be so from the throne room to where she sits right now, in Jesus' name. Authority after answers. The scribes and the Pharisees are asking Jesus. They said, tell us what authority you do these things. And who is it that gave you this authority? The question they're asking him is one of power. They want to know why he has power. Who gave him power? Who gave him what he should not have? For they looked at his outward appearance. They looked at his genealogy. They looked at his career. They looked at who his mom and dad were. They looked at how he was living his way of life. They looked at if they've heard his name or if they've bought his album or if they've seen his work in life. And so they asked him if it was, is what do you got that's so special that sets you apart from us? For they earned their ranks and their status within their church and their religious structure. But Jesus comes out of nowhere, a man of no reputation, a man without wealth, a man without uh, a people backing him. And he rises to fame and he rises to the pleasure of the people and there's jealousy and there's envy and there's hatred that's brewing because all of a sudden this man is doing only of things they talked about and he's doing the miracles in which they've prayed for and he's doing the signs and wonders in which they have attributed only to God. And they say, by what authority do you do these things? And there's one of the greatest lessons ever for man in this passage of Scripture. For it is not God's obligation to answer man. Nor to tell men why he's doing things or when he's doing things. For he is God and he'll do as he pleases, when he pleases, to whom he pleases. And so God, in God fashion, He asks them a question. He says, I'm going to ask you a question. And He says, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? You see, the men that asked Jesus the question, 
They wanted the power that he had. They wanted the authority that he possessed. They wanted to be able to do the things that he was doing. They wanted to be able to talk like him. They wanted to be able to preach like him. They wanted to be able to teach like him. They wanted to walk on water. They wanted to turn water into wine. They wanted to lay their hand upon the deaf and have hearing restored. They wanted to speak to the dead. Lazarus, come forth. They wanted the power that this man had. But God said, I'm going to ask you a question. Was the baptism of John from heaven or man? And it says in their intellect and in their wisdom, they began to think of all the outcomes of their answer and the outcomes that would be responsible for how they answered. That if they gave credit to heaven, then it would verify the ministry of Jesus Christ. And if they said it was from man, they feared the wrath and the violence of man that supported Jesus. And so there wasn't a suitable outcome for them that they wanted to live with. So they pleaded, they said, we don't know. And so the Lord said, because you've answered this way, neither will I tell you by what authority I do things. There is an authority that is God-given. There is an authority that is God-ordained. That if the people called by that name, the name of Jesus... If the people who are called by His name will possess and activate and act upon the authority that dwells within them, it will only come when there are answers given. The Lord was walking through Samaria and He comes to a woman at the well and He begins to sit down with her. And he begins to have a talk with her. And the Samaritan woman said to him, she's asking questions. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep, so where do you get the living water? She asks him, Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answers her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now I want to pause right there because everything that's went on is a discussion. It's a discourse between a man and a woman. 
And he's answering questions and she's asking them. And he's just cunning enough to provoke thought within her. But she comes to a place in her life and she says, I want what you're offering. I want the water that is living. I want it to rush up like a mighty wind in my life. I want a well of eternal water. I tell you, I felt in the Holy Ghost that there are people here that right now all you've been having with the Lord is a discussion. You've been talking about things and God's been answering things, but you're arriving at the place in your life where you're getting ready to ask the Lord, how do I get what you're offering? Now you might not know God and maybe you're asking God, I want you, I want your salvation, I want to know you. God's getting ready to tell you. But maybe you've already experienced a new birth. But your life has been lackluster and there's been confusion and there's been a dullness. There's been a dryness. There's been a drought. There's been devastation. There's been disaster. And you've been asking God, where is the power? Where is the authority? But God will give you the power and will give you the authority when the questions are answered. He turns to the woman because he sees that it's getting real. And he says to her, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, the answer. She said, I have no husband. She was honest. Even when the answer was shameful. Even when the answer put her in sin. Even when the answer was to her hurt. But she answered true before the Lord. And she said, I have no husband. And the Lord said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. There is no hiding from God when the truth is coming out. Yeah. Folks, if you're here and you've been searching for the answers, you're going to have to have an open, honest discussion with the Lord where it's all going to come out. He's not interested in talking about three out of the five. He goes to all five husbands. When it comes to the place where you're going to be, you're going to get the authority and you're going to get the power, there can be nothing left inside. It has got to all come out. You can't hold back one drop. You got to pour yourself out. You got to empty yourself before him. And you got to say, God, I give it all. I pour myself out before you. Lord, speak to me your power. Speak to me your authority. Lord, I need to know the answer. I need to know how to get through this. I need to know how to get over this mountain. I need to know how to walk through this valley. I need to know how to trust in you. He said, you've had five husbands and the one you have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
and our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And he said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. The hour is coming and is now here, is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God has been searching for you for all your life. He's been looking for you because he sees that in your heart there is a fountain of worship. There is a fountain of thanksgiving. He's desiring to change your situation that you would be a worshiper in these last days. Some of you have been mourners for a long time. God's not searching for mourners. He said he's looking for worshipers. We were just listening to Reverend Lee Stone King. And he said, I'm, I'm sick of dealing with losers. That's what he used. That's his language. He said, I'm tired of, of dealing with losers. You pray and you pray and you pray that God will deliver them from one catastrophe out to the next. And so they go invent more catastrophes so their catastrophe will be their, mere, their ministry. He said, I'm tired of it. He said, we need to start dealing with winners, not losers. We all have catastrophes. But if we give more credit to the catastrophe, instead of the God that delivers from all evil and all presence that's against him, if our prayer request is longer than the victory report. Something's wrong. If you want an answer from God, you've got to be willing to talk to Him true. You've got to be willing to be honest before Him. We don't have confession boots here. I don't need to know the deep, dark secrets. I don't need to know every struggle you're going through. I'll help you pray. Just say, Pastor, I got a struggle. That's enough. But I'm not God. When you talk to God, He's going to ask you, what have you been struggling with? Well, you know God. Yes, he does. Let me have it. The process of opening up to him, what it's doing is acknowledging how bad we need him. He knows that we're a no good rotten sinner. He knows what we've done. He knows how we acted. He knows how we behaved. It's not going to shock him. Oh, I didn't know that. I was busy over there in that continent. Uh, how did I miss that, you poor thing? 
He said, you've said well. And then he says to her, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit. And truth. Truth. You see, the scribes and Pharisees would not answer him true. They said, we don't know. And he said, neither will you have my authority. If you can't give me an honest answer, you don't get me. There's nobody in this house that's exempt. I don't care how long you've walked with God. I don't care what God's done through you or through your ministry. There is nobody that can lie to God and get away with it. And if there's something missing from your ministry, if the joy is gone, the problem is there hasn't been honest answers given. If there's constant depression and destruction, the problem is there's not honesty in the relationship. He said, if you'll answer honest, you'll have the authority. The woman was of ill repute, real ill reputation. But she answered honest. And you didn't see God fall into the well from shock. He began to tell her what he didn't even tell his disciples. She says to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. And that when he comes, he will tell us all things. And God says something to her that he didn't even say to anybody else. At this point in time, he says to her, I who am speaking to you am he. How does a woman who's living in adultery been divorced five times get told the revelation of the book? That the, that the Messiah, the Christ, who they've been searching for, who they've been prophesying for, who they've been traveling nations looking for, who they've been digging for, they've been pulling every rock over looking for him, they've been watching every star, and he tells her, she got the answer of authority because she answered true. In the midst of sin, salvation came to her. Maybe, why don't you take boss out? Answers are given with the authority. If we don't give answers, we don't get authority. When God answers you, sometimes He's waiting on us to answer Him, but sometimes we're waiting on Him to answer us. To some of you, this is not new. You've heard it, but I feel impressed to preach it, and I'm going to preach it. And I don't want my son in here because it involves him. He's not in trouble, so don't think that. I had the Holy Ghost. I was filled. I had a ministry. I was youth pastor. 
I was Section 2 Youth Director. There was accolades. There was fruits of my ministry. And I was preaching in youth service and I was, I was dead on the inside. I sat on the platform, dead. I preached, dead. Some of you are like, whoa. No, it's the truth. See, when I'm preaching, it's not me. The anointing takes over. You need to know that. If you ever look at a man of God as your God, you're in trouble. The man of God could be sinning. Could, I've, I've, I have sat, I knew a man, he, he was in adultery, and he was up preaching. And the Holy Ghost moved. People got filled with the Holy Ghost. And it came out the next day that he was in adultery. And you're like, how can God use it? Because it's not the man, it's God. Now, I wasn't in adultery in this story, so stop that. But because I went to Bible college and because I came out of the world, you see, I wasn't raised in church. And my outlook was different than many of yours. Because I gave up the world for this. I gave up drugs for this. I gave up premarital sex for this. I gave up a lifestyle of addictions for this. I gave up my will for this. I had to choose. And I made that choice. I preached it. You know the wood chip story. I made the choice. So that meant to me that the blessings of God would surely follow me all the days of my life. I've read Psalms 23. That yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. I knew those things. I was a virgin. My wife was a virgin. I'm not ashamed of that. Y'all need to be virgins until you're married. But I, was, I lived in this world, wasn't in church. Had opportunities and God spared me. God. So I had made sacrifices for this. That's how bad I want to be in this house and be in this kingdom. I gave up everything for this. And when I got married and Boston was born, and my son has special needs if you're new and you don't know him, I was taught that the ministry is to put on a good front. God's got this. God's in control. I know it's in God's hands. God's going before me. God is a miracle-working God. He is a way-maker. I preached all those things. I told all those things. But in my heart, I was dying. Because I didn't understand. When I made all the sacrifices, I thought God would never do this to me. That God would not do this. I didn't deserve this. I didn't earn this. This isn't what I was working towards. This isn't what I desired. I've got doctors telling me that he'd be an invalid, that he would never have cognitive thought, that he'd never be able to have a relationship with me. He'd never walk. He'd never laugh. 
And not days, not weeks, not months, but years went by. And I was preaching. And the only authority that was coming out of me was in Jesus' name. But there was no authority that was moving in my life. That was healing me, rescuing me, delivering me. I was dead, dead, dead. And I thought about backsliding every day because I was dead, but I didn't. Because I kept saying, God, I left that world, and I'll wait even in the deadness of the hour. So I preached the youth service, and we had a move. There was people getting slain in the spirit, People were, were just having a good old time. I don't say that. The people, you know, people got slain at you service back in the day. We carried people out of here all the time. Young people, what's your problem? I can say that. I've been there. No, we have great young people, but get slain. So everybody's slain. And I went and I kneeled down in my chair after preaching and I knelt down. And I just knelt there. And I couldn't, I couldn't even say anything to him. I didn't have any feelings. I was numb. I didn't feel God. I didn't feel the anointing. I didn't feel the thrill. I didn't feel like praying for young people. I didn't even feel like praying for myself. So I hid in my chair. I knelt down and put my face in And I'm like, please, God, don't let anybody lay hands on me. Anybody ever been there? Just me? You're finding out your, your pastor's the most carnal guy in the joint? You ever just kneel down out of habit just so the preacher won't find you? Everybody's afraid to answer right now. I knelt down hoping God wouldn't find me. I knelt down before the Lord. I could not, you need to understand, whoever you are, and I feel the Holy Ghost. Some of you, you've heard this before, and you're, you're just along for the ride, just... just Unbuckle the seatbelt and have fun. But you need to know something. I didn't know how to come out of it. I didn't know how bad I needed delivered. I didn't even know how desperate I was. You know the saying, you don't even know what you don't know? I didn't know how much I didn't know and it was the first time in my life that I had ever seen a vision from God. And I, I mean a biblical proportion. I don't mean like I saw a ghost in a corner. I knelt down, and the Lord took me to a room that was completely white. A long, old-fashioned dinner table. Sparkling chandelier. White walls. White chairs. There were angels that were serving the foods, and they wore completely white. And I sat down at the table as I was motioned, and there were several people with me along the table. And to my left, at the head of the table, was Jesus. And I'm sitting there watching this. Everybody's happy. Everybody's excited. Everybody's just overcome with joy because they could not believe that they were at a table with Jesus Christ. And I was sitting there wide 
eyes open, going, what is this? I felt, for the first time in a long time, complete and utter peace. A calmness I had not felt in a long time. And I sat there, and I wasn't saying a word. And everybody is just talking. And a woman was to my right. And then the Lord, He began to motion the angels to bring the meal. And they brought the meal on those silver platters with the silver lid that hides the food. Nobody does that, but you've, you've seen it in a show, right? And the angels, the waiters, brought those trays and they set them down before every person. And the lids were left on. And then God began to motion to the angel. And he came and he removed the top off the lady to my left, or to my right's plate. And she went from excited to a look of confusion, to a look of disgust. She didn't understand. And then the next plate was removed, top was removed. And then the next person did the similar response. They went from excited to, what? And all the tops were removed and everybody's response was the same. And finally the woman to my right, she said, Lord, I don't understand. I thought that this would be the best meal ever served to me in my life. I know that you know me inside and out. And you know the foods I like. You know my favorite flavors. Why, God, did you serve me this? And everybody looked at God with this, give me the answer. The question was asked, why God? And God looked at her, and then he motioned to the angel, and the angel came, and it was the first time I noticed that on the back of every chair was a sign that was hanging. And the Lord said, turn her sign around that we might see. And the angel took the sign that was draped off the back of the chair and he spun it around and it said leukemia. And she said, Lord, I don't have leukemia. And God said, you had leukemia your whole life, but you never knew it. And the food that I have set before you is not to please you, but to heal you. And she began to weep and cry. And the next person looked at God and he said, Lord, why did you serve me this? And God motioned to the angel and he turned his side around and it said cancer. And one by one the signs were flipped around and there was disease after disease and sickness after sickness. And people began to cry and began to weep before the Lord. For the revelation came from his answer that they understood that God had been working all the time. And that the things they were going through and the things that were set before them wasn't to please them but to protect them. And I'm not 
the sharpest tool in the shed or the brightest bulb in the box. But I do have a brain. And eventually it kicked into gear. And I sat there stunned. And I sat there crying. And I said, and I looked at God, and this is the moment that somebody in this house is at right now. And you're sitting before God, and you know the question to ask. But you got to be ready to, to handle the answer. Because when the answer comes, the authority will follow. But you got to ask with all your heart and honesty. I was dead already. I was as tragic as could be. I had nothing to lose. And I said, Lord, what is on my sign? And the Lord motioned for the angel, and I can still feel the presence of the angel as he walked up behind me. And I felt him turn that sign and I could not see the sign, but yet in my mind, I knew what it said. God can do that in visions. My sign said Boston on it. And I looked at the Lord, and I began to weep before Him, and I said, Lord, and He said, listen, I gave you Boston the way I wanted Him to be. You did no wrong nor committed any sin. Not you, nor your wife, nor your family. But it was by my design. But your lack of understanding has become a sickness within you that has eaten all the joy, all the happiness. And he said to me, everything that I have set before you to this point has been to heal you and protect you. And I looked at the Lord and I said, Lord, heal me. Heal my heart, God. From that moment forward, from that very minute, that very moment, the joy of the Lord began to arrive back in my heart, back in my mind, back in my soul. I began to notice that the authority of God began to flood back in my ministry and back in my soul. His authority followed His answer. You've got to be prepared for the answer. Or you'll never be able to handle the authority. I don't know the question that you must ask the Lord, only you know that. Or perhaps God has asked you a question and only you know the answer. But what I do know is when you are done with that discussion... There's going to be a change in your life that you have been searching for, that you have been seeking after, that you have been desiring. You've been begging God. You've been pleading before God. You've been crying out to God. And when that answer comes, 
the authority in his name will follow in your life. But you got to be true before God. You got to be honest before the throne. The musicians would come. The Lord sat down with the disciples. And he said to them, who do men say that I am? They said, some say that you're Elijah. Some say you're Isaiah or one of the other prophets. And the Lord asked the question, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. The Lord said upon this confession, upon this answer of truth, I will build my church. Great things changed in his life. God is asking somebody today, who do you say that he is? Is he the lover of your soul? Is he the provider of the table? Is he the deliverer of destruction? Or is he your holiday God? A Sunday God? A Wednesday God? I feel God and he is moving. I'm opening these altars right now for any that would. That God has shown up to change somebody. God has shown up to give somebody an answer. And when He opens your mind and when your ears are opened and you began to hear the answer, what you've been missing, what you've been searching for will follow. But you must answer true. You must answer true. Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? Yeah, Lord, I'll, I'll serve you most of the time. No, we got to serve him all the time. Lord, I'll do anything you ask. What if he asks your very life? Would you lay your life down for him? The song says, I give you all. Would we? Is there anybody here that's willing to give it all today? To surrender it all? And to say, Lord, I'm done living my way. I'm going to live your way. Lord, I'm after some answers today. And I'm prepared to answer you true. What is it that you want from me? I'll, I'll speak it. I'll give it. I'll surrender it.
Somebody here, you've been you've been dry as bones in your spirit. And you've tried blaming the ministry, you've tried blaming church, you've tried blaming family and friends. And not one of them is the answer. The answer is you need to be healed in the Holy Ghost. And the healing will come when you'll answer true to Him. I wonder if we all couldn't begin to make our way and find a place of prayer. If you want to pray right where you're at, that's all right. But I want us all to begin to find a place right now, if we would, before God. And begin to say, God, I mean business. I'm going to answer you true. Lord, I haven't been living right. I'm sorry. I've been holding back my praise from you. I'm sorry. I've been holding back the sacrifice you're requiring. I'm sorry.